1: My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a nice holiday season. Hanukkah started super early again this year. And to be honest, I'm not a fan of not getting a breather after Thanksgiving, So for those getting into Christmas season, you have some time to decorate and plan, so that is really good for you. So as always, my updates first, and then we'll get to the question about a five-year-old who is proving to be difficult to discipline. So first, I finally decided to start separating my personal Instagram account from the Your Village website podcast parenting account. So the username I'm going to now use, that's actually been set up for years and I haven't put anything out there in a while. Well, I did start yesterday. The username is Your Village Online. So you can check that out. I'm going to just post um, some of the videos, any updates, um, you know, quotes for parenting, things that come out of the podcast, all of that stuff will now be on the Your Village Online Instagram account. I'll post some stuff into the stories. So It'll all be parenting and business announcement related posts on that account. My other account, Iron Mom 2020, uh, will be my own personal journey and my life, family related, my kids, posts with my kids that type of thing. Feel free to keep following me there or add me in there. I'm totally fine. I'm going to leave it open, but, um, this way it can be completely separate. So people who just want the parenting stuff, just want to know about what's going on at your village or the podcast. Um, you know, who I'm working with, what the, some of the changes are going on I have some really big changes coming up. I'm excited about, and some that are going to be, um, a little bit challenging, but, um, but that's all about running your own business and exciting. So, um, I've started getting really organized with guests for the podcast, so I'll be announcing those on that um, Europe Village online account on Instagram also. I have a booking list of some amazing guests coming up who will share their expertise in some really important areas of parenting. Things like education, nannies and babysitters, hiring nannies and babysitters, extracurricular family time talking to kids about sex, even from early ages, managing the world of internet access and social media with our kids, even from those young ages. Boy, they can get into some stuff um, pretty early on if we're not proactive about that. So these are great topics that I can't wait to share these experts and their knowledge with you. Lastly, I just want to share that every so often I take the time to read through the reviews of the podcast, and I actually should probably do this more often, but it's just one of those things that takes some time out, and I just get so busy with trying to keep everything else going I forget, but I want to take under consideration any reviews that can help me make this podcast the best source of support and information that I can. So if you have feedback for improvement, I hope you'll actually write to us, send us an email at podcast at com to let us know that way instead for improvements. (laughs) If you have a positive review, I would love for you to leave that on your listening platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, leave us a a positive comment there. Um, So one review I got felt that I spend too much time sharing about myself. And I can understand, especially new listeners, and this was actually a particular episode where I did share quite a bit of background information because I was talking about stressful parenting, and so I gave a lot of foundational information in that one particular podcast. But I understand, especially for new listeners, probably just want me to get to the topic, get to the question, see if they like my advice that I give, if that resonates with them, and if this is a podcast they want to listen to. However... I do sometimes spend a little time sharing because I feel like showing my human side as a person and as a mom is an important part of not just who I am, but I don't want to act like some unblemished mom whose kids are always perfect. You know, I personally feel like there are just too many people out there wearing masks, pretending, faking, hiding their own struggles, so afraid to be vulnerable, to be real, to be honest. Because they're afraid if they are seen as less than perfect or less than this expert, that then they can't be that expert in their chosen field and people will stop listening to them or taking their advice if they don't have these perfect kids or this perfect life. And so, you know. I just think the world needs a lot more real, a lot more vulnerability, a lot more honesty, authenticity. And so sometimes I do take the time to try to paint a full picture of what life is looking like in my world, in my house. So I hope that most of you find that helpful. But if you don't, I am open to feedback. Of course, I appreciate any kind of constructive criticism, anything we could do better, things you'd like to see more of, less of in an email format. And we'd love to get the positive feedback publicly whenever possible. And I thank you for your support and feedback, however it comes. It has been amazing building this community and having this great group of parents here um, listening to the podcast. And I hope that I'm offering the best support and help that I can for you. Okay, so today's question is another great question. I hope I'm saying her name right, Elizette. So she wrote in and she said, hi, I've been having struggles with my five-year-old daughter who could possibly have ADHD. She is so hard to discipline. She constantly whines about everything. She will not follow directions, such as cleaning her room. She also never seems happy. She will complain if her dad got her the wrong color of shoes or didn't buy her a toy. She constantly talks back. If I tell her to get down from the couch because she will get hurt, she says no or will completely ignore me. I've tried taking away toys, her tablet, and even took away sleeping over at grandma's, but she seems to not care. She is also sometimes aggressive with her two-year-old sister. I've tried reading books about the complaining, whining, and talking back. We also took away any random surprises and only give her toys and such on her birthday or Christmas, or if she accomplished something great. She can also act like a three-year-old using a baby voice or throwing tantrums when she has to go to bed or does not get her way. Nothing seems to help. I do not know where to go from here. She is being evaluated by a pediatrician so that she can hopefully start counseling soon. Okay, so there's a lot of different areas in here to address and break down and take a look at. The potential ADHD, the whining, the not following directions, the not listening, seemingly unhappy temperament, the complaining, ignoring, aggression, the baby voice, the tantrums. Um, not getting her way, the trouble with bad times. There's just a lot of different stuff in here. Then on the parenting side, there's a lot of areas we could dig into here with the discipline, why it's not working and the different consequences being used. And this actually would be a great scenario for coaching because there's so much going on here, so much to dig into. And these are the types of dynamics that parents come to me for coaching because there's so many moving pieces And it's best to go over everything and then start with a few key areas to focus on and then once we get that working well, moving to the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing and getting everything all working in really good working order, getting this relationship turned around to where there's more of a positive feedback loop. But I'm going to make this episode kind of a mini coaching session, cover as much of this as I can, so I'm gonna get started. Let's start with the ADHD. So I'd be curious to know what indicators Elegset is seeing exhibited that are indicating the assessment for ADHD because I'm not hearing anything in the email that points to ADHD that I can see. But it is very possible that mom just left that stuff out because she wants me to help with the behaviors and is only sharing that piece as an anecdote just so that that can help me understand what she's dealing with daily on that front and letting me know that they have seen indications and it is a possible contributing factor to this scenario. So I'm going to quickly go over some signs of ADHD so that if you see these exhibited behaviors in your child, that you can differentiate normal young childhood behavior from potential ADHD. So typically, no professional will diagnose ADHD before the age of five. A good professional will not do this unless it is so obvious. Because almost all normal preschool behavior looks a lot like ADHD. Their inability to sit still for very long, moving from one task to the next quickly. They're quick to frustrate and anger. They don't have a lot of control over emotions. They tend to be very impulsive and react impulsively. So a regular four-year-old looks a lot like ADHD just in general. So we usually wait until they're at least five or six before we make a diagnosis. The other thing is that they need to have more than one environment. So the child has to be in an educa- you know in another environment, so in some type of educational program you know, young kids, they are in preschool, but once they're five and some of those behaviors, those younger childhood behaviors start to dissipate, they become um, a little more disciplined. They can sit still a little longer. They can focus a little bit longer. Um, They can stand in line to some degree, keep their hands to themselves to some degree. And and then we see how they're focusing in school as well as how they're doing at home. Then we've got two scenarios, two areas where we can look to see um, if these behaviors are being exhibited. So, There's two types of ADHD. Well, actually, there's three types. There's the hyperactive type and the inattentive type. And then there's also the combined type, which means it's both types together. So you can have hyperactive, you can have inattentive, or you can have both. Hyperactive type is the kind where the child or adult has a very difficult time standing, still for too long. Children who literally, quote unquote, get out of line, they can't stand in line, they touch their peers or the things on the way from homeroom to lunch or the way to the gym, No amount of braden. I said not to touch that. Will change their behavior. They just can't help it. They just have to touch things. They just have to move. They're very impulsive. This is the hyperactive type. Signs of hyperactive type are things like the inability to sit still for very long, especially in a calm or quiet surrounding they're constantly fidgeting. They have an inability to concentrate on tasks. They have excessive physical movement, excessive talking. So they're talking to their peers when they're not supposed to be talking out of turn. They can't wait for someone else to finish and they start talking over. Sometimes that's just a little practice. But if you start seeing a lot of these different, um, these different behaviors, inability to wait their turn while talking or playing a game, um, acting without thinking, interrupting conversations, all of those types of things, you're seeing many of those, not just one or two, but you need to see five or six of those. That is a sign of hyperactive type. For inattentive type, this is where they just have trouble paying attention. They have a short attention span. Uh, They're easily distracted. They have trouble staying on task with their work. They make careless mistakes. They rush through things, so schoolwork. Uh, They appear forgetful. They lose things. They're unable to stick with tasks that are tedious or time-consuming. Especially if they're not interested. If there's something they're interested in, sometimes kids that are inattentive can stay focused. Um, My son can do this very well if it's something he's really into. Certain artwork, he's very detail-oriented, but other times he just can't stay on task when he's being taught something that he's just not interested in learning. Their inability to, to listen or carry out instructions you could say something, ask them, now a lot of kids do this. So that's why you want to see more than one of these, because a lot of kids, you'll tell them something goes in one ear and out the other. But if you're seeing that, and it's very pronounced in addition to these other things, so you'll tell them something to do, and and it's very obvious that they just totally didn't get in there at all. Constantly changing activities or tasks, moving from one thing to the other, because their mind can't stay focused on one task for very long. Also, they have difficulty with organizing, organizing tasks, organizing their things. They're just the forgetful piece that all plays in together. So inattentive type though is not the, a lot of movement where they can't stand still or they can't stop touching their peers or talking out of turn. That is, so that's different. So if you see both of these, then you've got both types or potentially you have both types. You wanna get a, a really proper diagnosis. So these symptoms must be pervasive. So like I shared earlier, they must span environments. Whatever environment the child had environments that the child is in, school, home, and then if applicable any other areas, after school care, extracurricular activities, grandma's house. If a child is struggling in one environment only, they're well behaved at home but and they can sit and read or they can play for long periods or play quietly, they can concentrate on art or other tasks. They're only struggling at school likely not ADHD, likely there's something in the environment that needs to be addressed. And it may be the learning styles. That class on learning styles on my website actually is excellent for this to learn about learning styles because there's some kids who just really can't focus at school. And it has more to do with the learning style that they're not, they don't learn auditorially. they learn in other ways. So that's a really great class if you're seeing something like this. The same thing goes for the child is focused at school, they're finishing tasks, they're listening, they're following directions, they're standing in line, they're polite, they're not incessantly moving or talking out of turn, but you're seeing a lot of misbehaviors at home, there's likely something in the home environment that needs to be addressed. If you're seeing the issues I listed in two or more environments, then it's always a good idea to get a further assessment so you know if you need to get further support for yourself and for your child. The next area I'm gonna focus on is temperament and then some discipline strategies to help turn the behavior around, these misbehaviors. So we're gonna start with temperament. There's three mood types. I'm gonna talk about mood types um, because Elizette's daughter seems to be falling into one particular mood type here. So I'm gonna talk about that and ways to work with that and and help shape and guide this child uh, in some ways to help work on that. So there's three mood types. Generally happy, generally serious, and then realistic or what some might call negative. And so it sounds like Elizette's daughter may fall more into the realistic or the negative mood type. So these are the traits. The child might have trouble keeping friends. They may become easily sad or frustrated. And they can be more negative about things. They see things in kind of a negative light. We also can say a realistic light, so it might fall on the negative, the realistic to negative side of things, kind of seeing the the bad in things or the realistic piece of things rather than looking at the positive side of things. So here are things that you can do to work with a child with this mood type. For family and friends, I cover four different areas, so this comes from my temperament class. So with family and friends, you can share family stories with happy endings Involve her in playgroups and encourage friendships with many children. This is to help with the friendship piece, building friendships and maintaining friendships. So give some notice before outings to discourage a negative reaction. So if you're going to go to the zoo, then you want to talk about going to the zoo and all the wonderful things you might see and ask about what they want to see at the zoo. Focus on the, what could be positive about the zoo before they have a chance to start going, I don't want to go to the zoo. I don't like the zoo. It's boring. <laughs> We've all heard that. <laughs> School and learning. Ask your child to tell you something fun that they did at school that day. Find books where there are characters who solve problems with a positive attitude. Find a daycare or preschool or elementary school. Um, There are a lot of school options nowadays, and I really want to have a guest come in and talk to us about this. Uh, With a nurturing atmosphere and culture. Okay, so there's some more things that we can do to help kids with a realistic mood type, and I have some really solid tips for working on this discipline issue to get things going in a positive direction, get this all turned around. And I'm going to get into those right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world using the latest in breast milk science. Okay, now that we're back, it's time to get into some more things you can do to help a child who has a more realistic or negative mood type. So the third area where we can work with our children's temperamental traits are guidance and discipline. So guidance and discipline for a child with a realistic or negative mood type is you want to talk to him or her about positive, happy things in their life. You wanna tell her when you see her enjoying activities and being happy, so point it out. I, I see you're having a lot of fun with your friend Sarah today. I can see that you're really enjoying this game. You guys are laughing a lot. And then let your child know that you appreciate her because sometimes people and children with the more negative or realistic mood can get the feeling that no one really likes being around them because they're kind of an Eeyore. So we need to connect with them, let them know that we, still, that we appreciate them, what the things are about them that we do appreciate. Helps them feel more helps them feel seen and heard and loved and understood and increase our efforts to cuddle with children who have this more negative um, or realistic mood type. In the areas of activities and leisure, you can involve her in fun activities with other children, you know, going to the park, doing some play dates, doing some fun play outside. You want to encourage your child to play games without complaining about fairness and rules now this is tough because this age of five is a, lo- a lot about fairness and rules, and they do, um, do kind of hone in on what is just and fair. That is also a developmental stage around this age, so also understanding that is helpful. But help guiding them about the fairness and talking about fairness or rules in a way that is problem-solving rather than complaining. And then participating in fun activities together with your child and avoiding television or you know, nowadays, everything's online, but you know, online streaming, whatever shows, movies with sad themes and unhappy endings. Um, so general mood is just one of the nine traits of temperament, there's eight others. So, understanding your child or children's unique temperament and how to work with your child's individual traits can help support them and help them grow to leverage the positive parts of their temperamental traits and improve on those pieces and parts that don't serve them as well. And this does a huge service to their development and future success and relationships. So I cover all of this in just one of the 10 chapters of my book, The Connected Parent's Guide to Toddlerhood, available in print and ebook on Amazon, also of course the temperament class on the website, yourvillageonline.com covers all those areas for all the temperaments, and I cover, most temperamental traits have two sides, so it'll take act, activity level. There's highly active and then low activity level. So I cover each of those four areas for the high end and the low end. So no matter what end of the spectrum your child falls on on the other eight temperament traits, you have guidance for helping them develop more into, um, into the middle. They're never gonna go from one end to the other, but you can move them more towards the middle if they're really strongly on one side or the other. Okay, so let's talk about discipline strategies that can really turn around negative behaviors. So I think it was just last week when I discussed positive and negative reinforcements and positive and negative punishments, what the differences are between each of those and the most effective ones out of those four in shaping behavior. So if you haven't heard that episode, it is a great one that covers these basic foundational principles of psychology and motivating and/or demotivating behavior. So motivating positive behaviors and demotivating the negative behaviors and how you want to use those for each of those scenarios to. Motivate positive behavior and demotivate the negative behavior and not get it mixed up because we often do. Um, because positive reinforcement is the most effective means of not only shaping behavior, but also for building and maintaining strong connections and relationships. So this creates a positive feedback loop, which is what we want to get into. We want a positive behavior, positive feedback, positive behavior, positive feedback. It it creates this positive feedback loop so they will do more positive behaviors. And because when you have a connected relationship, there's more respect, there's more connection, that also means there's more influence over behavior. So our positive feedback means more to our child when we have this positive connection. So it just is, it's a really great feedback loop um, habit to get into with our kids because it just continues to spiral upwards rather than downwards. So this means getting kids to listen when we let them know what we need from them, what we need them to do something. It just gets easier and easier. So anytime, but especially when we're seeing negative feedback loops, children misbehaving, parents responding in ways that will often bring more negative behaviors, which I also talked about in last week's episode because it's very often that we actually think that we're doing things that should be decreasing a negative behavior, but in actual, in actuality, we're actually increasing that very behavior that we're trying to diminish with certain ways that we're interacting. And so I talk about that and how um, that is very common in um, parenting. So we want to get this turned around into a positive direction. So we need to switch this around quickly. And we want to start doing this by focusing on the positive. Focusing on the positive will get kids, the attention, the feeling of belonging, love, security that they're seeking in positive ways. It then motivates them to participate in these behaviors more. And so it naturally decreases the negative behaviors as a side effect. It's a beautiful side effect. Now, consequences are a negative punishment, a negative punishment. So punishment is when you're trying to diminish a behavior. A negative punishment is removing something from the environment. So Not all consequences are negative punishments. Some consequences are, but in the case of Elizette, what she was sharing, these are negative punishments because it's something removed from the environment that is trying to diminish a behavior. So removing the iPad, taking away privileges, taking away the night at grandma's, removing something from the environment, removing an opportunity. These are the most ineffective means of shaping behavior. So we wanna make a big switch. We're gonna do a 180 from a negative punishment into a positive reinforcement because we're gonna focus on positive behaviors in every instance possible, outside of any aggression or destructive behaviors, those are separate, but any other area, we want to really focus on those positives. So I'm gonna go into this now, the ways to do this. What are some tools to do this? So there are three positive tools I'm gonna talk about right now, and some quick tips and examples on how to use each one. Positive reinforcement, positive feedback. This is a great tool, to really focus on. Every time we see our child doing something positive, they're playing quietly, they're helping a sibling, they're helping out, they're cleaning up. The first time we ask anything, no matter how small, they picked out their clothes right away. Even if it's something they normally do. Let's say your child is great at picking out their clothes right away every morning, but we're having a negative feedback loop here. So we want to find anything positive in the environment that we can start giving some positive feedback on to start getting this whole mindset turned around. So we're gonna notice, we're gonna give positive reinforcement. Now there are some nuances on how to do this well. So I'm gonna cover the basics here. We wanna describe the behavior and label the attribute. So here's some examples. You got dressed the first time I asked. That was very independent. You cleared your plate from the table. That was very helpful. You gave the toy back to your sister after she dropped it. That was very kind you asked to be excused from the table. That was polite. The more we do this, the more they will embody those traits, kind, helpful, independent, creative, loving, whatever it is that we want to use with them. When our kids see themselves as kind and helpful and independent and loving and creative, brave, whatever it is, then they do more and more of those things that embody that trait and less and less things that embody the opposite of those. So therefore you begin to see less and less of the negative behaviors because it doesn't fit their view of themselves any longer. It's not the kid who has to do something annoying to get attention. They're now the child who is kind and loving and caring and brave and supportive and independent and all of these cooperative and all these wonderful things. And I advise parents, when we start working together, to really focus on this for the first two weeks. So when I do coaching and in the classes, I talk about this, really focus on this for two weeks. Don't worry too much about other types of, you know, don't worry too much about bringing in too many things. You try to bring in too many tools at once and it just gets overwhelming. So I really work with parents to focus on this for two weeks, maybe one or two other ones, depending on what other struggles they're having. If we're working on bedtimes, we do some stuff with that. But Really focusing on this, noticing, giving positive reinforcement, and then downplaying, um, giving any feedback or much feedback on any negative behavior. So long as they aren't dangerous, of course, um, you're going to ignore those when and as much as you can. Really downplay it and then really focus up on that positive stuff. We're going to shine a big light on this. Um, And you will see a huge change, a humongous difference in behavior in a very short time. So another positive uh, another positive discipline strategy is called positive intent. This is when we get curious about our children's behavior and see it in a positive spin. So a child climbing on furniture is likely just trying to get their need for physical movement met. The child who spilled the cereal on the way to the table was trying to be independent and do it for themselves. The toddler who throws a toy is oftentimes curious about their world and how gravity and other, um, the physical world works. It's like, how far can I throw this? Uh, what kind of trajectory is it going to make while I throw it? They're doing a lot of science. Toddlers are really amazing. So, um, you know, how far is this toy going to go versus that toy? So taking a deeper look, um, getting curious, asking or inviting conversation first before we just jump in and um, start correcting them, commending them on the positive part. So we have the conversation then we're going to commend them on the positive part. But then we're going to explain any dangerous behavior and different choices that they could make after. So let's just take the toddler who throws a toy. Okay, so assuming there's no tussle with a sibling or a friend that's overplaying, we're gonna invite conversation. We're gonna have some curiosity questions. That was an interesting choice to throw the block instead of stacking it on the other ones. What made you think of that? Then you can explain after they talk about it. Well, that's interesting. I can see why you'd wanna do that, or uh, you know, I can see why it's interesting to see how it's thrown. Now, if they're young and they can't talk, You can just assume that ahead of time. You can make that assumption. I bet you wanted to see how that block would move if you threw it, but you know what, that's dangerous. So instead of throwing the blocks, we're gonna do this. So then you're gonna explain. It could hurt someone, you know, throwing our blocks could hurt someone, could damage the wall, and then you can invite your child to throw in a way that is appropriate. They could throw their soft toys instead, Here's your teddy bear and your little doggy. Why don't you throw these two? See where they go. See how far you can throw them. You can invite them to throw some things outside in certain toys that are outside, balls or other things that are appropriate toys for throwing outside and take them in that direction. You're going to find appropriate ways your child can explore their curiosity in safer ways. So positive intent, just uh, intending, knowing that or assuming that the intention was a positive one rather than a negative one. Because most of the time it really is. Children don't do things to annoy us or upset us unless they're going for revenge and we've upset them first. Otherwise, everything they do is really out of curiosity and interest. And the last tool is positive directions. This is when we state our instructions in the positive. So rather than don't jump on the couch, don't climb on the couch, we're going to say, you can jump on the floor. Couches are for sitting. We want to state it in a positive because what this... For really little kids, they, they can't even understand the uh, turn around the behavior, 180 degrees. They um, hear jump and couch. And so they quite can't quite understand um, how to turn it around and make it a negative. So for really young kids, we definitely want to focus on this positive directions. But for anybody, for any child... The positive directions let them know what to do rather than what not to do. It gives them a replacement. So we can jump on the floor. We can jump through the hoops. You can go outside and jump on your trampoline. Give them another option. Couches are for sitting. If you would like to climb, you can go climb on your climber. Climb, on, you know, climb up and down the stairs. Go run up and down the stairs a few times. Um, we'll go to the park uh, tomorrow. We'll go to the park in 20 minutes where you can climb. But couches are for sitting. Stating it in the positive, those positive directions have a lot of uh, really good outcomes and reasons for trying to state everything in the positive as much as we can. Um, In the classes, I have worksheets on all of these for parents who have certain areas where they're struggling. They can um, download the worksheets and write out ways that they're going to approach and have language for the next time so that they're ready. Because sometimes it's hard to come up with it on the fly, and so it helps parents to be able to be ready for those scenarios the next time they happen. So, I didn't have time to get into a lot of the other stuff. This was just a a very um nuanced and involved email, and so there's a lot of other areas that that definitely you can dig into, but this should be a a lot of stuff, some great stuff to get you going in the right direction, but these and many more positive discipline tools, power struggles, getting kids to cooperate and listen, teaching manners, bedtimes, curbing whining, along with all 60 parenting classes on development and health topics, modern parenting topics are all covered on the website at yourvillageonline.com. Also, the material on temperament and all the discipline tools for toddlers, along with other common toddler challenges, are also in the book, The Connected Parents' Guide to Toddlerhood, available in print and ebook on Amazon. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, you can send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. I hope you have a great week during this holiday season. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.